Hi, welcome to Living Catholic. I'm David Anders from the Department of Education and Lifelong Formation in the Diocese of Birmingham in Alabama. And with me today is Father Brad Jantz, Associate Pastor at St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church. The first question is, so what do we know about Sunday from, from sacred scripture? Is this feast even in the Bible? Well, yes, that's the short, the short answer to it. Uh, of course, the long answer is about as long as the Bible itself. Um, as, as I'm sure that folks listening uh, know very well, the Christian feast of Sunday that we celebrate each week is something that takes a lot of inspiration and has its roots in the Old Testament with the celebration of Sabbath, the Jewish observance of the day of rest, which came on Saturdays, uh, that being the seventh day of the week. You know, it's, it's really interesting, even in the very first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, we find seven words in that very first verse of the Bible in Hebrew. Uh, in translations, we get a little bit wordier, but the Hebrew is very concise. And that number seven occurs over and over again throughout the creation sequence, uh, kind of the story of how creation, God brought creation forth over seven days. And that seventh day was the culmination of the creation process. And so our Christian Sunday is, is in a lot of ways the fulfillment uh, of that particular portion of the Old Testament. So yes, there's a lot in the Bible about this Sunday thing. Now, you, you point something out about the Sabbath being a day of rest. Now, we often think of Sunday, uh, the, the Christian appropriation of the Sabbath, as a day for worship. And that has led some people to, to confusion, I think, about in the Old Testament, um, you know, was the Sabbath set aside uniquely as a day of worship, or was worship something that characterized the daily life of the people of God in the Old Covenant? Yeah, so I think I think kind of the basic question is what's the relationship here between rest and worship? Good um, question. Certainly from, from an Old Testament standpoint, in a lot of ways, those are two sides of the exact same thing. Uh, rest, rest is seen not just as a uh, oh, I'm off today, I'm gonna I'm gonna lounge around in my bed and you know not uh, not bother doing anything. Rest is seen as a very active thing, a refreshment of the human soul, a setting a person free from the slavery of the necessity of work on each of the six days. Uh, in fact, even in the, uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, there's two different versions of mm -hmm. the Ten Commandments that come up in, in sacred scripture, one in Exodus chapter 20, and a second one in Deuteronomy chapter five. The commandments are the same between the, between the two, but the commandments specific to the, the commandment for the Sabbath, the day, of, the day of rest, has a different spin in each of those. Uh, the one in Exodus chapter 20 goes back to that idea of creation that we were talking about. The reason given in Exodus 20 for us to rest on, the, uh, on one day a week, or the reason given specifically to the Jewish people to rest on the Sabbath day, came from creation. Because on the seventh day of creation, God himself rested from his work. But that rest wasn't God just sitting back and saying, okay, creation's done. This was God enjoying his creation, wanting to, you might think of it as, have a relationship, an encounter with this creation to kind of sit back and see what's the what's the man doing, what's the woman doing, what are the animals doing, how is the, how is this going? God continued, in that sense, his work of sustaining creation. So that's in Exodus, Deuteronomy chapter five. We find a little different angle that maybe speaks perhaps to the uh, to the rest side instead of the worship side, where in Deuteronomy five, when the command of the Sabbath is given. 
It's the logic behind that is specifically because God freed his people from slavery in Egypt. So the rest side of things, again, you, because you're a free person, because you're not bound down by the necessities of slavery, when the Egyptians, we, we remember in scripture, when the Israelites asked, can we go into the desert to worship God? The Pharaoh wouldn't let them. Hmm. So the Sabbath day, uh, them being commanded to cease from their labor and enabled to worship God was a liberation in and of itself. So, you know, as Catholics, as Christian people, we're, we're trying to, to restore and renew the image of God in us. And our spirituality is grounded in God's very own activity, right? Mm -hmm. We imitate God. Absolutely. What, what practically speaking, how, how can we integrate these two aspects of the Sabbath commandment into our own lives, both that, that, that restful enjoyment of what God has made, and then that note of liberation. What are, what are practical uh, aspects of our spirituality that would exemplify those? Yeah, I'd I maybe bring it to, to one idea that then kind of fans out to a whole bunch of uh, specific practical ideas. Um, with both that idea of rest and that idea of worship, both of those really center around the idea of relationship mm. with God, and with our fellow human beings. You know, it also says in the Ten Commandments, not just you individually remember to keep the Sabbath, but also don't make the people who work for you do any work. Uh, don't make your son and your daughter do work. Don't, e don't even make your animals do work on that day. The Old Testament says there's always this charming uh, att attention to the animals that, that live with human beings there. So I think that that idea of relationship is one that maybe is kind of a source of good practical ideas for that. Worship, so, we understand that as relationship with God, time in, time in prayer, um, time, you know, both in, both in formal prayer as well as just in rejoicing in his presence, uh, perhaps Eucharistic adoration uh, for parishes that are open on Sundays. And then similarly, relationships with our fellow human beings, family members, friends, sustaining and nurturing those as well. So, so it would be fair to say that, that one of the ways that I celebrate the Sabbath is to really give dedicated attention to the relationships in my life. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that that instinct we send. Well, perhaps for me, thinking back to when I was a kid, I remember after after church on Sunday, uh, one of our big family customs was after after the Sunday roast, uh, we would either go out to visit relatives or they would come by our house. I, I remember our house kind of being a center of activity for all the branches of the family. Uh, on those Sunday Sunday afternoons, and there was a real joy that came in that. And I mean, speaking as an introvert, where sometimes I'd have to go, you know, hide in the back room and read for a little bit or something. But even even so, this sense that today was a special day to spend time with our with our family and with our friends. Yes, that's definitely a part of the worship of God, restoring our relationships to the fullness that God wants them to be. So, a question that naturally occurs very often when you talk to people about the Sabbath and Christian. Uh, celebration of Sunday is how did we get from the Sabbath to Sunday? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. There, there was a little bit of a uh, of a of a shift that happened there uh, from the uh, from the seventh day of the week to the first day of the week. Uh, one way, one way to think of it, uh, maybe thinking about the New Testament just a little bit, since we've been focusing a lot on the on the Old Testament so far. Uh, the Gospel accounts about the resurrection. Are a little bit all over the place. Uh, it's very clear that this was one of those really exciting, really surprising moments in the lives of the apostles and the people and G people around Jesus, uh, such that kind of there's different bits and stories here and there, you know, kind of like 
for someone who's married, thinking back to the day of your wedding. For myself, thinking back to my ordination day, there's always kind of these bits and stories here and there. But one thing is absolutely consistent through all of the gospel accounts of the resurrection, that it happened the day after the Sabbath. The gospels are all very specific about, about that point, calling it out. And also we might think I, you know, where I kind of mentally go when thinking about the resurrection is the story in John chapter 20 about when Mary Magdalene encounters Jesus in the garden that surrounded the tomb. And she thinks he's the gardener. Now here we've got an interesting, interesting idea. The first, the first day of the week and an encounter with the one who created a garden hmm. and comes to meet human beings. Isn't that, isn't that interesting how those things all come together? And Mary Magdalene even thinks that Jesus is the gardener. And she's right. I mean, he's the one who made the garden of Eden in the, in the first place. So from a Christian standpoint, there's this memory of Jesus coming on this first day, which Christians thought of not as the first day, but as the eighth day, hmm. what comes after the Sabbath. In, in biblical terms, if seven is the number of fullness, eight is the number of abundance, over-fulfillment of all the promises that had come before. And so that eighth day is where kind of the story of what creation was suddenly opens up to the story of what God is making creation into, what the fullness of things will be at the end of time. That's why sometimes if you look closely inside of a, inside of a church of the baptismal font, very often in an older church, the baptismal font will be eight-sided in an octagon. Again, a symbol of that eighth day, that fullness of life received in baptism, and that we also celebrate on the Lord's Day as Christians. So, you know, Jesus speaks about being born again in John chapter 3. You have to be born again to inherit the kingdom of right. God. Uh, you're pointing out that it's not just our own interior renovation in grace, but it's the, it's the renovation of the whole world. The guy who made Absolutely. the first garden is making a new garden that we're looking forward to. Now, is this what the book of Hebrews is talking about when it says we are still looking forward to another Sabbath rest in God? That's right. That's right. The, uh, the, the, author, the author of that particular letter certainly is uh, very rich in his understanding of the, of the Old Testament, and that's speaking to a, a congregation there as well that's obviously very educated and knowledgeable about those things. And so that's a, a point where he's drawing upon the, uh, the verses, verses within the Psalms that specifically speak of entering into God's rest. Uh, that's from the, uh, from the same Psalm, interestingly enough, that in the church's liturgy of prayer, we used to start each day, each day of prayer. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Uh, there it's, uh, goes, and it goes on for quite some time. And then it, it ends with the words, if today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Uh, so there's an interesting connection, I think, even there beyond what the letter to the Hebrews states, of a resonance of this idea of worship with the idea of rest in Scripture. Do, do you think this emphasis on, on the, the renewal of the creation as something that comes to us in Christ, obviously fulfilled in the eschaton in the future, but begun mm -hmm. in Christian life, does that give sanction or warrant to... Uh, to, to care for creation today. I mean, is this also an aspect of Christian spirituality that we actually care for the creation and try to cultivate it? Absolutely. Uh, that's, that was God's first command to all of humankind in the Bible, was to uh, be fruitful, multiply, and tend the, uh, the world that he, that he gave us. So there's this ongoing guardianship that we have of creation. I mean, God, God himself, after the fall, 
after everything had gone wrong in creation, after the relationship between humankind and the world around us was broken, God himself stepped in, became part of that creation to restore that aspect of the relationship there. Yeah, I, the way I kind of like to think about it with the, with the Sabbath, you know, we have sacred places and sacred spaces, uh, the churches, uh, obviously our parish churches, uh, various shrines, uh, places that we've designated as specifically where we can encounter God. Hmm. Uh, but the Jewish and Christian tradition very much also contains an idea of sanctifying time, that in a very real sense, through our observance of a day of rest and worship of God, we make, you might think of it as a cathedral within time. Hmm. So that's a, a place, you know, or it's not just a place, but also a time when we encounter the Lord. Well, I love that idea. That's, that, that, that's, a, that's a beautiful idea. As you were talking, another thought occurred to me, which is this idea of, of, of cultivating the world as an act of worship. Mm -hmm. When I think about Catholic history, uh, no one did that better, made that more a part of their vocation, I think, than the Benedictine uh, mm -hmm. communities, right? Because they literally were dredging swamps and, and, and building farms and, and beautifying them at the same time. The Pope in his apostolic letter says that one of the ways we can sanctify Sunday is by making pilgrimage to uh, to Catholic shrines and monasteries and things of this sort. And I, I think about our own Benedictine communities that mm -hmm. we have here. And I know, uh, you know, I have a son who's a, a student at St. Bernard Prep School at the Abbey, and I'll often drive him back up to school on Sunday afternoons and and, and take an hour and go walk the beautiful trails and see the Ave Maria, Ave Maria Grotto, and of course the beautiful Abbey Church, all speak about that care and tending of creation that, that, that they express so beautifully in their spirituality. So if you haven't ever made a trip to the grotto or to the walking trails up there, go do it, it on is, a Sunday. It is, it is a beautiful place, that's for sure. Yeah. And there's also a, uh, yeah, I remember um, shortly after my ordination, a few friends of mine from out of town uh, from the Southwest were visiting and I took them up there. One of my first masses I celebrated as a priest was in St. Bernard's Abbey, with the with the two of them, um, yeah, and I, I just remember us kind of kind of walking around and almost feeling like it was out of time and space, uh, just kind of drinking in almost this silence where we felt the presence of God. Now, Father, what what about people that have to work on Sunday out of economic necessity? What what can you say to their spiritual situation? Yes, I, I think there's there's two. Two maybe sides uh, to that to that that we should we should think about a little bit. I mean, first, just acknowledging that it's it's sad uh, that there's folks who are in that in that situation. It's a it's a true hardship. Uh, folks who have to work every day aren't able to uh, to take even that even the one day off. That's tragic. Or folks whose work allows them a day off each week, but they can't take Sunday off because of necessity. Perhaps someone who works at a hospital or a firefighter or a policeman. Those jobs are important and essential uh, that we can keep those going even on those days. So for, for those who are unable to take Sunday specifically, but have other days during the week, uh, I would encourage them certainly to take a day of rest, uh, to take a day of the fullness of enjoyment of life with God and with our neighbor and with the world around us. That's one side of it. It's also, it's also important, I think, uh, even if Perhaps we're having to work on Sunday. Speaking as a priest, I, I'm familiar with the idea of having to uh, to do some work mm -hmm. on sun on Sundays. But at the same time, it's important, even if we're working that day, to take at least a little bit of time, like keep that day in some way consecrated in our mind. Hmm. Um, the word the word that uh, shows up in the Ten Commandments, I think, is a good one. The Lord commands us to remember the Sabbath day 
and keep it holy. That word holy there uh, in, in Hebrew has a sense of separation. There's something unique about that, that particular day. And it's true for Sunday as well uh, in, a, in a Christian sense. Um, so remember Sunday and keep it special. Even if you can't necessarily take the full day of rest because of work requirements, at least saying some prayers. Dear God, thank you for the gift of your son's resurrection in the morning. A special special prayer, perhaps, uh, would be a good way to do that. So if the bishop has dispensed us from the mass obligation, does that mean that we still have an obligation of conscience towards this holy day? Uh, that's a that's that that's a question that gets right to the heart of things. Uh, you know, in the the old when we're talking about the uh, the law in the Old Testament, we traditionally divide the things in the law into a few different categories. Uh, one of which are basic moral commandments that apply to every human being, regardless of religion. They're just speaking to the basic truths of what humanity is. There's things that apply specifically to worship, and then there's things that apply to the specific social system of ancient Israel. Those latter two things, the uh, specifics of ancient Jewish worship as well as Jewish society don't apply anymore. But the basic moral precept certainly certainly applies. As human beings, regardless of religion, there's, a, there's this requirement for us to enter into relationship with our creator in some way sanctifying the time of our lives with him. Now, as Catholics, obviously, because the church can speak with the authority of Christ, it's kind of like with marriage. You know, marriage is something that goes back to creation, but the church has authority from Christ to make some rules about exactly what that marriage will look like, which is why marriages, for example, for Catholics without dispensation have to be done in a church with a specific formula. It's similar for Sundays, where that general moral requirement for any human being to acknowledge and love our creator and spend specific time with him, for Catholics, we bring that into the regulations of the church via the idea of the Sunday obligation, the coming together with the Christian community. But even if the bishop dispenses us from that obligation, the basic moral principle still applies. We, as human beings, we've got to love and worship our creator. Hmm. You know, the uh, one of the most striking sentences in the Pope's letter to me was when he said Sunday is an invitation for us to relive the experience of the disciples on the Emmaus road, mm -hmm. right? Because they, they, as they began to understand the scriptures and the reasons for what they were doing, their hearts were burning within them. And, and so we can talk about obligations, obligations of precept or conscience or mass obligations, but, but ultimately Sunday is an, is an opportunity for us uh, to enter into a burning love for God and Christ and to experience ourselves and the world around us in a new way. And I'm going to put you on the spot here and, <laughs> and ask you, you know, we're running out of time, so we'll close up, but could you maybe share with us uh, some insight from your own experience of being a priest or being a Catholic where, uh, where you felt like, you know, Sunday, the totality of the day um, brought you into that sense of intimacy with God. Uh, you know, I, I, I can, and it's going to be in a pretty, pretty funny and indirect way. Uh, so as part of my education, uh, working, working towards the doctorate, I had to learn Hebrew mm. very well, especially as an Old Testament scholar. That's just our bread and butter. So one of the, one of the things that I did as part of, part of that was I spent some time living in Israel, uh, studying Hebrew there. It's, it's a little easy to, easier to study a language when everyone around you is actually speaking it. Right. So it was, it was very, very practical. 
Um, in Israel, the Sabbath day, the Jewish Sabbath specifically, is observed at a societal level in a way that even in Alabama, even when I was a kid, Sunday was certainly not observed. Like public transport would shut down. Um, and I was kind of in this university section of Jerusalem that was a long way away from the nearest church, like a better part of like a 45 minute to an hour walk on a Saturday to get there, um, which meant that I was working on Sunday because classes would start on Sunday. Sunday is the Monday in mm -hmm. Israel. Um, so what I remember very distinctly was uh, going, my, my usual parish church was the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the place where Jesus died and rose, rose again. They're just a few hundred feet away from each other, so it's covered by one church nowadays. But I remember going to the 6.30 p.m. Mass on Sundays at that church and coming together with Christians who'd come, come from all over town. And so was, there was this real sense of we're gathering for something supremely important. You know, we're, we're here not just because we happen to have gotten the day off. None of us had. We'd all been mm -hmm. having to work in some capacity that day. Um, and yet there's something much more important than work, much more important even than our rest and for a lot of people, their dinner that brought us together in that particular moment. So that was, for me at least, one of the most powerful experiences of Sunday was just worshiping with that Christian community there in Israel on a day when nobody had off from work. That's a wonderful story. And I think in a sense, you were experiencing Sunday much like the early disciples who also wouldn't have had off from work. Absolutely. On, on the Lord's day. Yeah, know? especially in, in Roman, Roman Greek, Greek and Roman society where, yeah, there wasn't like a fixed calendar of days off in a given week, you just got together on the day when the church would commemorate the Lord's resurrection. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Well, well, Father Jans, this has been fantastic. We really appreciate all your insight. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Andrews. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. God bless.